0: So I don't want to have a porn on. And it's like, ah, ah, ah. I don't want all that. Like, <laughs> too loud. What are you watching? <laughs> Those are the noises. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. Hello there, lovers and
1: friends, and welcome to the Lovers and Friends podcast, where we're talking about all things intimacy, sex, love, relationships, all that shit that you know that I care about so deeply, and so do you, and that is why we are here together now. Every week, I, Shan Boudram, intimacy expert and sexologist, will bring you real knowledge from research and lived experiences of my guests so that you can improve your intimate life. Today, we are tackling the question, why are so many women Immediately turned off when porn gets turned on. Yes. Oh. Uh, oh God. Woo. <gasps> lovers, lovers and friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I said, lovers and friends. Uh. I'ma hold you down down to the end. I said, let me walk you through a scene. You're home alone, and it dawns on you that you'd like to get yourself off. So you pull out your aids, be that a toy, a form of lube, a hard pillow, a vegetable. You pull down your pants. Then just before you get it popping, a thought pops in your head. I think I should watch something while I get mine. So you reach for your phone because let's keep it real. Even in the throes of passion, I bet your phone is an arm's reach and you load up a free porn site. Your body starts bumping with anticipation, but When the home screen finally loads, you're inundated by images, ads, and auto rolls, none of which remotely resemble your idea of a good time. That's okay, you tell yourself. I'll I'll find my way to my category. So you click in where you fit in, and for a second, things seem a bit more optimistic until you start reading the titles and descriptions.
0: It's schoolgirl stuff, or older girls trying to look very young, or it's stepmom, stepdad, teen gets her backbone out. 18-year-old fucks the
1: husband or something like that. By the time you realize you'd be better off fantasizing about sex with your fave Game of Thrones character, it's too late. The mood is gone. The orgasm ship is way too far off shore to summon back. And now you got to do a post-sex cleanup minus the sex. Sadly, this isn't a fictional tale, folks. It's a personal story and one that I know for damn sure a lot of people can relate to. A lot of mainstream porn shows things that I know don't feel good. Honestly, I just ended up laughing the whole time because I couldn't believe that people actually talk like that. (laughs) Because it was not sexy and it was not hot. When I first began my work as a public-facing sex and relationship educator back in 2006, my go-to lines about porn were that, one... Porn is to sex what the WWE is to fighting. Meaning, if you tried to fight someone in real life with your favorite wrestler's moves, you'd likely get your ass kicked. And two, I would say that porn is a multi-billion dollar industry operated by and for men. So women who are hoping to find their pleasure there should set their expectations to like needle in a haystack. Now, today, these are not statements I would continue to say, especially given improvements in the industry, which I think is in large part to women filmmakers like Erica Lest, who is our guest for this episode. But they are still statements that do speak to a lot of mainstream porn, which I would argue hasn't evolved all that much since the anti-porn movement began in the 1970s. Anti-porn advocates saw porn as the training ground of male supremacy. They warned that porn was a mechanism that was normalizing sadomasochism, violence against women, and pedophilia. However, feminists who were opposed to the anti-porn movement rebutted that there was more that women could gain than lose from X-rated content as pornography also promoted sex as a means of exploration, pleasure, and agency. Through pornography, women's sexual pleasure, erotic range, and desires were showcased in a way that you really didn't see anywhere else. So although far from being perfect, those who defended porn argue that the potential good that porn could do was worth fighting for. And thus, porn became a part of the sex positive movement. And now here we are like 50 years later and many people who identify as women find themselves somewhere in the middle of those two camps. Trying to be cool with porn because in theory, it does sound like it could be a cool thing. However, in reality, not actually loving or liking the content all that much. And if that sounds a little like you, I want to let you know that I made today's episode for you. Not to convince you to see porn differently, but instead to inform you that there's other places to look. For example, Ex Confessions, Erica Lust's most ambitious project to date where her team transforms anonymously submitted confessions by users, mostly women, into erotic short films, aka porn. I know I've piqued your interest, and that's a good thing, but first, we gotta take a break for an ad. Hold tight. Welcome back. Let's get into this Erica content. Erica Lust is a Swedish erotic film director, screenwriter, and producer. Since the debut of her viral first indie erotic film, The Good Girl, back in 2004, Lust has been instrumental in promoting the aims of the feminist pornography movement through capturing the female gaze and a dedication to female pleasure. What's up, Erica? How do you feel about the word porn? How do you especially because your work is the complete opposite, in my opinion, of what people think about when they think of traditional porn.
2: It's kind of mixed feelings with the word porn, honestly. Uh, on, on one side, it's kind of, I I, I want to use the word and I want to change it. You know, I have this feeling that we need to change porn. We need to start making better porn. We need to accept porn. And on the other hand, we all know that most of it's kind of aggressive towards women, misogynistic, sometimes even racist. And and it has a lot of kind of bad bad values in it, really. So for me, it's it's this kind of mixed feeling. Should I I, I just kind of go right up to people and start talking about porn and make wonderful porn, or should I kind of? as you said, kind of avoid the word and go around it and say adult entertainment or erotic filmmaking or something that makes them feel more comfortable. And even when we are starting to talk about, about concepts like ethical porn or feminist porn, people react quite, uh, you know, quite quite strange sometimes. So it's it's always complicated when you're trying to get kind of a a value system into this and you're starting to talk about you know feminist if we're talking about feminist porn that obviously is a question of representation and participation you know it has to do with that women are actually involved in the process of making it I want to
1: walk you through a scenario so I finally have an hour to myself in the day, let's even call it 15 minutes. So I decide to myself, I have 15 free minutes and I am horny. So I fire up my computer and then I go to a porn site and I scroll and I pick something and then I take my pants down and I'm getting into the mood. And then I see something that makes me go, oh, that's such a turnoff. And then I close my laptop and I put my pants back on and I feel more frustrated than I did when I initially began this foray. And what I'm describing to you is a scene that I think a lot of women experience when they go to use porn as a medium to get themselves off. It's a scene that I experience a ton when I go oftentimes to look for something new, um, which is why I tend to have like three porns I watch over and over again. Because my success rate of finding one that I love and doesn't take me completely out of the moment um, is difficult to find, especially you know if I'm on traditional media sites. Does that seem seem familiar to you? And in many ways, is that what drove you to the work that you do now?
2: Oh, yes. That seems very familiar to me. Uh, it has a lot to do in my first experiences of, of watching porn, and uh, many years ago because i'm 44 today uh, but yes i had very mixed feelings from the beginning i always felt that my body did react to sexually explicit images i i i i liked watching them i felt i felt horny by watching them but at the same time i had my mind going nuts somehow telling me that i didn't like what i was watching and instead of just having those great 15 minutes and then I was off to something else I started thinking, thinking thinking and 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 that actually kind of went me to, to uh, have conversation with friends of mine and little by little I found out that I was definitely not alone and what I'm also seeing is that more and more men are starting to react to the online porn and to the misogyny that is going on out there and when they see tiny team getting destroyed, they feel that something is definitely off. And one, one easy thing that you can do if you are a consumer of porn and you feel that you have had this kind of situations that we are talking about is That when you are navigating online, trying to find porn, see if there's an about page. Can you learn something Mm. about that company, that website, that tube site, or wherever you are, you know? Who are the people behind that site? Who are the owners of that company? Or can you watch a making off from a film set and and understand how they are working? Do they have any values that they have published online? And I think that all of, of these things can really help you to form an opinion by yourself if what you are looking at is something that you that you agree with
1: it's interesting because in a sexual encounter. Oftentimes, the more that we know about the people that we're having sex with, the better the sex is. The more relaxed we feel because we know their sexual health status or we know what their relationship status is. We know what they're looking for. We know what their likes are. We know what their nos are. They know what our likes are. They know what our no's are. And so the more information that we have, the better the sexual experience. But it's almost like when it comes to porn, people just want to know the least amount possible. They want to get in. They want to get out. So the thought process of spending more time to get to know your porn.
2: Um, feels novel, but in actuality, it should be common sense. It should be, but but this is about becoming, you know, more of a responsible consumer, whatever you are consuming. We need to understand as consumers that we actually vote, that we decide, you know, if we, if we want to support uh, a producer or not. That is the bottom line, what we are doing with our money, but not only with our money also with our time and this is a conversation that I have so many times especially with young women who are you know coming up to me when I I do events etc and they are saying you know I think Something might be wrong with me because I've been, you know, looking at porn and I can't really get there. You know, my body is not working. I'm not reaching an orgasm and I don't really understand why. And when you start talking to them, you realize that there are so many people, so many young people reproducing in their own life what they have learned from sex in porn online online. And they're trying to take that to their own lives, and it's not working because they are you know trying to do the four minutes of heavy penetration without even any kind of clitoral stimulation or 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 thinking about what they would need or choking or spitting on their partner things that that they have they they have no knowledge about that they have never investigated but that they are just trying to reproduce because maybe they thought it looked hot in that video and I mean, we know that sex is more complicated than that. Sex takes time. It takes a lot of time to get to know your own body. And it takes even more time to get to know another person's body. But it's not that easy as watching, you know, the four minutes of very hard penetration and then think it's going to work in your own life. And many of these young women, when when I, I talk to them, they, they, they tend to tell me that it's working with the vibrators. But it's not working yes. with you know real people with real penises. It's interesting because, of late, I
1: really started to think about sex uh, and self sex or masturbation mm-hmm. as one and the same. I think for such a long time we separate the two things. Like I jokingly asked online, "Can you claim that you're part of the Mile High Club if you masturbated on an airplane?" And around, I think. of people were like, yeah, you can. And I was like, why not? You know, that is still a sexual experience. I think similarly, we separate porn from sex the same way that I can have sex and then think about what my partner said or how they smelled or what they did for weeks afterwards. I actually find myself thinking about porn, you know, for weeks afterwards, the same way that I would reminisce on a sexual experience. And sometimes when you don't watch palatable content, you think about it, doesn't bring up good feelings. And I'll give you an example. I watched uh, porn maybe a a few months ago at this point now. And it was a man at a bachelor party and he was about like five of his friends around. And he had a sex worker who was performing sex uh, on him. And she was, you know, of course, like you said, giving him a lot of head for a long period of time. And then he switched to starting to give her oral sex and she was enjoying it. And then one of his friends around said, if she comes, we're not paying her a dime and I kept thinking about like, what is the messaging that would lead someone to make a comment like that? And why did I completely understand exactly what he said when he made that comment? And I think we have to really acknowledge that when we receive these messages from porn, they do negatively impact our view on our own sex life and how we have sex with other people. But but, but what you're saying is
2: completely true because as, as a woman, you know, sometimes it's still difficult to think about, your own sexuality and what is it really that you desire? Because all these images of us satisfying and us giving, we've seen so many of them us being sexy, us, you know, seducing. Uh, so it's so easy, even if you kind of are past that and you feel that you are sex positive and you are aware and you know who you are, it's still easy to kind of get back into those patterns. And I, as a filmmaker, I mean, this is something that I struggle with. I really have to, you know, sit down and kind of read it and do a, a gender analysis on my own material and, and, and try to see what would happen if I would change the roles here, you know, if that woman would be a man and that, that man mm. would be a woman. And would would that change the balance? And what is challenging is trying really to see The world as we would like to see it to to understand our own sexuality and to create new kind of images that can be uh, inspiring for people and that can help people to to start imagining and fantasy around other scenarios and other situations I also
1: acknowledge the messages as an early educator that I used to say. I used to say that women are not activated by visual. Like women are not turned on by the visual and proof of that is the fact that porn is a multi-billion dollar industry for men. And it's negligible for women. Women aren't turned on by what they see. They're turned on by what they feel and what they experience. They need an emotional connection in order to make a sexual attachment to somebody. An incredible book that I love is What Women Want by Daniel Berger, I believe. And that debunks all of that. He has study after study that show that women are just as turned on, if not in many cases, more turned on by what they see visually. But because we've been socialized to believe that we can't act on those feelings, we deny them. But our bodies tell a different story. So that to be said, I think a lot of women, without really exploring it, think that porn doesn't turn them on. If you encountered that kind of woman, what would you say to them?
2: I also, you know, grow up in a society where people were telling me all the time that porn was just not for women, it was just not for us, it was something made for men by men and it was their kind of secret world to sexuality and they could celebrate whatever perversions they had in that little bubble and in that little world. And I have have seen the shift, I have really seen how when you get more women into this space as creators, as scriptwriters, as DOPs, as filmmakers, as photographers, etc., that we are challenging that vision, we are changing that vision, and we are creating a new kind of, of set of images that will help more women growing up. So if you, I think the big thing that I come against is that
1: a lot of women say to me, like, I'm not into porn. I don't watch porn. And then I make make one suggestion to them and they go to that one site and they don't like what they see and they come back and they say, see, I don't like porn. Uh, which I'm like, you know what? That's kind of like you saying to me, you know what, I hate sushi, and then you go to my favorite spot and you don't like it and say, I hate all sushi. That is not to say that, you know, the place that I go to get off may not be yours, which is why Options are optimal. Uh, and the fact that now we live in a time where there's more opportunities for ethical porn, I think people have to go to three or four sites to really get a feel for which one feels good for them. And then again, like I said, you might find that one film that's your go-to for a month or so that you just keep watching because that gets you off every time or gets you turned on every time. Yeah, if there's yeah. a list of things that you're like, look, you don't think you like porn, try and then see how you feel.
2: I have uh, started uh, a project called El Cinema, for example, where we are not showing explicit sex. We are only showing, you know, the erotic versions of the films. And this has become very popular with many, many women who really feel that, you know, porn is not for them. They don't want penises pushed up in their faces. They don't want <laughs> open vaginas, mm-hmm. They, you know, they want, but but they want something hot. And and then when it comes to uh, to uh, to explicit, what I have started is really two kind of different projects. One is X Confessions, that is, you know, a, a platform that is crowdsourced where people are sending in their fantasies, their sex stories, their confessions. And then me and my team of creators and filmmakers, we make short films out of, of those uh, stories. And then, uh, as I, I, I said in the beginning, I've also started Last Cinema. And Last Cinema is, is a platform for feature, feature films and for series. And the whole idea there is to have more time to develop storylines and characters. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I also see, especially lots of women uh, really wanting because they like the idea of, you know, getting to know a character, following that character, seeing kind of their erotic journey, what is happening, how are they they experimenting with, with different issues and situations. There are more and more platforms with erotic audio that is also something that we are getting into now. I, I just listened to, to the five first stories that we produced with erotic audio, uh, which is also something that, you know, you might want to use when you get on that plane and you want to hit that club by yourself <laughs> in the bathroom or under the blanket.
1: <laughs> and I think, you know what, I love the term um, erotic filmmaking. And to the point that we talked about at the top of like, do you call it porn? Do you not? I believe you call it what makes you feel sexy and celebrated. I think like for me, for example, I don't love the word masturbation. I've never loved it. So I prefer self-pleasure. I prefer self-sex. I know that it's masturbation and I should try to reclaim that word, but it's just not my favorite. So if it makes you feel more turned on to say that I'm watching erotic content or I'm watching um, X-rated cinema, like that's a word that you can use as well too. I think a big part of this is finding what turns you on. So I want to talk about that. There's a book that I love um, that's called Come As You Are. And a big part of it discusses sexual accelerators and sexual breaks. Have you learned any sexual accelerators or common sexual breaks along the
2: years? I can definitely feel that I, I uh, need to, I need to feel, and I want my audience to feel protected somehow. I need them to feel secure that they will not uh, be presented with situations that they w- would not expect. And if in a film there is a certain charged situation, then what we always do as a company is putting a triggering text in the beginning, uh, making sure that they are aware that in this film something might happen that they don't want to watch. So they can turn off that film in time before it happens. Mm. Uh, But obviously what we are trying to, to avoid is misogynistic situations. That is not something that I would like to watch in my films. People many times ask me about BDSM because there's so many people out there confusing uh, BDSM with... uh, misogyny but something I hear a lot and sometimes when I'm especially doing interviews with male journalists telling me that how can I be on women's side if I make that kind of film sometimes many times you realize how little they actually know about sex in general yes and I think
1: it's (laughs) oppressive to tell somebody that what they like means that they don't love themselves or that they um, aren't celebrating themselves. So to tell a woman who likes BDSM that she hasn't liberated herself when in fact that is her liberation, that is her joy to be in that role and to let go. And as we know from, you know, people who are, are fans of BDSM, the submissive is actually the one in charge. They're the one who say what does and what doesn't go. They're the one who maps out the scene. So it actually is a twist on things because the dominant is there to serve and give them an experience. But I think that a lot of people label uh, or try and tell people like, if you like this, this means that about you. And mm-hmm. in some cases, that's right. But in other cases, the freedom to like what you like is what sexual liberation is. And I love that you celebrate that in the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Should people look to find porn that looks like themselves?
2: So, I think that there is definitely a necessity of seeing yourself represented on screen. And that's, you know, we're talking about different sexual identities, we're talking about ethnicities, we're talking about, you know, body types, we're talking about age groups, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, we need that in a way where people are not being tokenized and fetishized, but that they are actually the kind of the subjects, the storytellers. The ones having the experiences, not only being, you know, objectified in one way or the other, and having more and more people as creators, you know, behind the cameras telling their stories from their perspectives. Yes, this is absolutely necessary. But then I think that what is also very interesting is watching people uh, somehow outside your boxed Sexuality, uh, and, and I had really wonderful experiences with male viewers, for example, who have you know found on ex-confessions films uh, with, with gay men, for example, and, and, and sex that they had never really watched before because they consider themselves 100% heterosexual and they've never been exploring that side of, of their sexuality. And yeah. then they say, wow. I I saw the film and it was hot and I had never imagined that I would, you know, react to it or that I would like it or, you know, and it's not that it's not that I'm, you know, want to explore it myself, but I really enjoyed the experience of being able to understand and watch people in those circumstances And I think that there's a wonderful opportunity with cinema in general and with adult cinema to help people empathize with people who are different from them to help people, you know, open up that kind of that understanding of other kinds of sexualities. Uh, I, w- I would love to invite them to come, you know, online and at least check out the work we are doing. Check out a trailer. Sign up to our newsletter because you are going to be able to watch some stuff for free. It's going to be very different from what you probably imagine. You know, if you close your eyes and think about porn and all these images of the of the tube sites pop up in your head. What I would like to show you is a whole different kind of sensual experience of sexuality and intimacy where people are having a really good time together, enjoying the pleasure together.
1: Huge shout out to Erica Lest for just being awesome. You can find Erica on her socials at Erica Lust. Or if you want to find out about the various projects that she talked about, I think a good place to start is ericalust.com. There you can find links to Lust Cinema or L Cinema or X Confessions and other projects that she's also working on. Okay, so to bring this episode full circle and to round it out nicely, I invited somebody on the podcast who, in my belief, does not and has not would not watch porn voluntarily. And I had this individual watch some of Erica's films and I'm excited to see what their response was. And uh, to give you a little hint on who this person is, they are somebody who is arguably closer to me than anybody else in the world. Although we very rarely talk about sex, let alone porn, should be fascinating. And by we, I mean executive coach, lead producer for this podcast, and my sister, Lauren Morrison. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you. In thinking about this conversation, I realized that we talk about everything. Right. Except for sex. Yes. Which, interestingly now, we work together.
0: Yeah. And I talk about sex for a living.
1: Yes. Which means that we have to talk about each
0: other's sex lives now. And you get to find out how much of a prude I am. That's
1: an interesting fact because I was reflecting on that and thinking to
0: myself, is
1: Lauren a prude or is Lauren a lady in the streets and a freak the sheets? Prude. Okay. <laughs> okay. The reason why you're the perfect person for this podcast is the podcast title fits you to a T.
0: Yes. You no. don't
1: engage in porn. And no. if somebody asked you, what's
0: your relationship to porn? You would say non existent. Okay. I don't, first of all, I don't even know where to get it. Right. That's the thing. So the one thing I learned was because everyone was talking about like Pornhub. So I was like, oh, let me go check out Pornhub one day. And it was just like pages and pages of fetishes. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm, you know what? It's cool. I'll just actually reading erotic novels. And maybe because it just feels more private, that works for me. Versus watching something,
1: which I think actually is important to note, because erotic content is really what the goal is versus porn.
0: Yeah, right. Like it's about finding. I like that word. It just sounds like porn. It's, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you like porn? <laughs> <laughs> but do you like corn? Do you like, I don't. I don't even like corn really. <laughs> <laughs> Neither are my things. (laughs) I love porn. I don't use (laughs)
1: shoehorns. So I am not really an avid porn consumer. I like it, but I find that my experience a lot is I am also guilty of going to the tube sites a lot because it is that get in, get out thing. Yeah, exactly. And um, oftentimes I'll go and I'm just really not turned on by what I see. And if anything, it like puts me out of the mood. Yeah. So I find that it doesn't enhance my experience. And so I don't really go to it. But that to be said, years ago, I went to an Erica Lust event and I had to because I was hosting something for her. I was exposed to a lot of her content and I really enjoyed it. Yes. And embarrassingly, since that time, I haven't really engaged with her content since. Right. Um, and I've actually done some other partnerships with different porn houses and I've watched some of their content. I've kind of had the same hit or miss thing, but I, not even in a promo way. I have found that whatever of Erica's stuff that I watch really does hit for me.
0: I would, you know, and, and even like the language, like when you guys were talking about the word or reclaiming the word porn, like I actually like the word lust. Like I mm. thought that that was a nice word. And when I associate to what would turn me on, it's not the word porn, it's the word lust. I, and maybe it's just, again, that, that stick like, but Lusty my- Lord. Lusty Lauren. Lusty Lauren. <laughs> but maybe it's just like that Dirk Diggler 90s image I have of like, pornography that is just not it for me. Yeah. But Lust, Lust I can get on board with, but Lust sounds like an erotic novel. I feel like erotic novels were my sex education, mm-hmm.
1: which is not the best place to go for them. And that's what I will say about Erica's films. So we should circled into that. We both watched the series three. Yes. Pieces of it. We didn't watch the full thing yet. Yeah. Um, we watched videos of the series three, which are half hour long episodic sexcapades.
0: Yes, they're natural. It felt just, it feels like watching real life, real life. Even watching the sex scenes was like, that's how it sounds. That's how it, that's the pace of it. It almost, you know what it was like? It was like, and I don't know if actual porn's like this because I don't watch it a lot, but it felt like, a hey, sing along with us because that's how long <laughs> it felt. <laughs> you can do this too. Come on, try it. <laughs> it just felt like watching the whole thing beginning to end. And there were just so many different variations, so many different steps. Um, At some points I was like, does it really go on for this long? Is it normal? But that's why I think too, it's a good education for people because they think that they're doing foreplay. And then you
1: watch this and how slow everything was and how intentional everything was. That's the pace that I think good sex more likely happens for women, especially. And I think it's good for people to see how that looks in practice. I liked the pacing of it. And I think i would learned some things. Do you think that watching these films could be a medium for sex education for you?
0: Yes, because there was one where she was masturbating with a vibrator. And I was like, what is this angle? Like, she's putting the whole thing in there. Like, I think those things on the other side, when you were watching the woman fellage her husband, Mm -hmm. is that the correct term? I've never heard somebody refer to it as being fellashed. but they should <laughs> go yeah, on. like you were get validation on the technique or whatever the case is. So yeah, you can oh, you got points for yourself. You were like, okay, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I learned
1: actually how she had him finish because um, she was going very rapid. She was giving him a hand job for him to finish. yeah, and then when he was finishing, Uh, ejaculating, she went really slow and then put more pressure. And I was like, oh, that's something I learned.
0: You know what? I didn't actually pay attention to that part in that way. I was like, so all that and you're going to finish with a hand? Oh yeah. (laughs) That was my, that was, so I wasn't even watching like the technique at that point. I was just like, I'm confused. There was so much other effort being put. But I think also in adult
1: cinema, seeing the come is a big part of it. I, and that's the, one of the greatest ways you can get
0: the full angle. Which is another thing that I actually appreciated about this is that I would feel comfortable watching that in my house where I have kids because it's not like loud. And that's what sex sounds like in my house because I have kids. So I don't wanna have a porn on and it's like, ah. <laughs> I don't want all that. Like, too loud. What are you watching? <laughs> Those are the noises. Yeah, because when you watch
1: mainstream porn, it's fast because they're taking on the pace of like get in and get out.
0: And it's always trying to escalate and move to the next thing. But it's also a bunch of things that I would never do or I wouldn't be interested in doing or it doesn't look like fun. Whereas Erica's brand of lust looks relatable it looks like that looks like something that would happen in my bedroom or i would want to happen in my bedroom
1: yes that's a big part of it because yeah. when you watch mainstream porn you're thinking to yourself i would never Don't want to be anybody in this scene yeah i wouldn't want to be the camera person in this scene so with our sex lives we want to feel excited we want to feel turned on we want to feel proud of what we're doing we want to feel excited about it we want to reminisce afterwards I think great sex, the hallmark of great sex to me is, am I thinking about it the next day and the day after that? Like, do I have moments where I flash back to it and I'm like, oh, that was great. Yeah. And if traditionally I watch porn, I feel the opposite when I flash back to it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that was a low moment. (laughs) Like, oh, like that was a weird thing. Or like, oh man, like that guy's face. Like there will actually be the opposite. There'll be things that turned me off that I'll flash back to. I'm like, oh,
0: Never. Never.
1: Like, no, thank you. And I didn't want to see one no, of those. You. No, thank you. <laughs> but now when I think back to the three cinema that I just watched, I'm like, yeah, like those are pleasurable yes. things that I'm like, that was fun watching and that would be fun to have done to me.
0: And I think what I liked about it too was that, you know, if I ever did venture into like a porn library, pornography library, I would, pro- I, I would gravitate towards like more like lesbian stuff. Because I do too. That would that to me is like an assurance. Having a moment. (laughs) Told you how I feel. (laughs) But like that's almost like a guarantee that someone who has my parts is going to I could I could see myself wanting to be someone in that situation. Yes. Versus seeing the person who has my parts and being like, Oh God, that looks like it hurts. (laughs) Yes.
1: So here is the drum roll moment. You do not watch porn. You don't consume adult cinema. So I'm trying to use a better term. Are you leaning in
0: that direction now? Oh, absolutely. Like I, I appreciate that more. Like that to me makes it easy. Like we were talking before about going out. Like at my age, I don't want to go out unless it's a guaranteed good time. I don't, I'm not up for the adventure. I'm not up for the experience. I need a guaranteed good time. And now that I've experienced, um, you know, Erica's angle on pornography or erotic adult cinema, whatever seven words we're putting to it to make <laughs> it sound better. That to me is like, I guarantee that I know what I'm going to get here and it's something that will work for me. It's something that makes me comfortable. I am gonna actually play another one of her videos for you that I watched. I liked it a lot. Why would you play a porn video for me? Like, it just well, sounds weird. Why pl- you? You 40- can recommend it and I'll do it in my own time. Okay, I'm not going to <laughs> sit here. <laughs> I'm going to recommend to you one
1: that I saw from her which was actually cool about the experience of doing the Lust Cinema screening in in Los Angeles yeah, because she showed a wide variety yeah. of content. And yeah. then people could hear, Which one did it for you? Yeah, which one did it for you? And I love the fact that we're getting to a place now where we're acknowledging that there isn't a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. I think that previously it was like, either you get turned on by this or you don't. right? Either you do or you don't like porn. Um, and I always say this when people say they don't like condoms. My next question is, well, what kind? And then you find out they've only tried one brand, or they've only had their partner supply. They've never actually invested their own time in looking at like the massive amount of options that are are out there. Right. I give that example too when it says people I don't like sushi. I listen to the episode. Are
0: you going to put this? This is for
1: people who haven't heard me speak before. This is the first episode they're listening to. I got out, but you put that
0: part in the episode. Oh. (laughs) Okay. Why? I I only have five (laughs) previously mentioned three minutes ago.
1: This is where you realize I don't have much to say.
0: (laughs) Here's a metaphor you just heard five minutes ago. (laughs) People
1: like this metaphor. I try to find ways to weave it in. The kids are enjoying it. Um, So I think that notion of now when someone says, I don't like porn. Yeah. I think that you could ask in the follow-up question, oh, like what kind of porn don't you like? Right. So I was saying this to Erica. There's a lot of things that I used to say as like my go-to's that I wouldn't stand by today. Right. But I also think things have changed since then. So I used to say a lot that porn is to sex what WWE wrestling is to fighting. That makes sense. But now I wouldn't compare this kind of porn to that. No. Because I do think there's a lot of actual copy and paste that you could utilize and apply directly to your own life. Like sushi. Like sushi. Not like sushi. Not like sushi at all. That's actually a terrible analogy. <laughs> Maybe I'll stop using it together. <laughs> Lauren, I love you. Thank you. And if you also love Lauren, which I'm sure you do, you're gonna to want to follow her on social media. She does one-on-one sessions with people, and she's just an overall inspiring badass human being. Her Instagram is this is Lauren Elizabeth. I also want to give one more shout out to Erica Lust which is at Erica Lust on Instagram for coming on this episode and really just bringing so much power and direction. And I feel like those are two things that women have been craving when it comes to the adult entertainment space. And speaking of space, thank you so much to every single person who has carved out space in their week to listen to the Lovers and Friends podcast. The response has been so overwhelmingly Grounding and beautiful. I'm going to just say it. It's been a massive turn on for me and I hope that we can continue to turn each other on um, and turn each other up. I am here to amplify your voice and your stories and in order to do so, it would be great if you follow me on Instagram because that's how I do call outs for my audience to share their perspectives, to get included on the episode like you heard on this episode. Not only was I shocked at what the male genitalia looked like and obviously it was very unrealistic and just huge making people's walls disappear so i didn't want that <laughs> before you go can i please urge you if you have an extra couple of seconds find yourself over to apple and give this podcast a five star rating cuz that goes a huge way in making this podcast as great as it possibly can be lovers and friends, friends. i'm gonna take you on a trip baby i don't
2: pretend i say Lovers and friends, uh. I'ma hold you down, down to the end, I said Lovers and friends, Love uh. Lovers and friends, and yeah, I said Lovers and friends, uh. I'm going to hold you down,
1: down to the end, I say. Lovers and Friends is executive produced by Shared Entertainment, Sham Boudram and Lauren Morrison. Also produced by Stitcher's Jackie Sojico, 2 West Entertainment and Workhouse Media. Our mixing engineers are Brendan Burns and Marcus Hom. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and sound design. Jasmine Henley-Brown is the executive producer at Morsauce and this podcast is powered by Morsauce from Stitcher.